Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Good morning and welcome to another edition of Better Living, a show that focuses on people and organizations making a big difference here in North Texas. I'm your host, Chris Arnold of 105.3 The Fan. Our first guest is Reverend Donald Parrish. When people start a nonprofit, and you've been doing this for a few years now, it is one of the hardest things you could ever do. And then you get your stuff online, and already somebody else has the rights to that particular site, that web location. You have to make the adjustment. So, man, I understand. Chris, we are five years old now, man, and I can't believe it. Wow. I'm I'm shocked. Um, it's, It's very difficult. It was made immensely more difficult because of the pandemic. Um, and so, but we survived the pandemic um, with a lot of just grit and determination. So, and I really do appreciate you giving us this platform to share what we do um, and how we try to make life better for young people across the nation. Well, let me tell you something. I appreciate all that you do here in Dallas. And by the way, happy new year. Uh, Don, yes, a steady hand for those who don't know that committed to restoring hope in the lives of young people and helping them succeed, especially when they feel as if they lack the confidence, skill, or support to do so. You do it with a lot of different ways, uh, the mentoring program, the exposing, the sports, the caring, the collaboration, all those different things. You're basically that steady hand. Is that how you came up with the name? Absolutely, man. You were all in my brain, Chris. I, I, you know what? I don't know if, if anybody's told you this, but I think you need to be in the Radio Hall of Fame, man. That was, that was a very good <laughs> Well, I'm already in there. They put me in there a couple of years ago. Well, look at, that. look at that. Texas Radio <laughs> Hall of Fame. They put me in 2020. <laughs> Absolutely. Very well deserved, man. I, I, was, I was so happy to hear that. But, yeah, that's exactly what it is that we do. And we use these. And so we use these things. So my, my logo kind of serves for me as a daily reminder and my mission statement. Like these are the fingers that it takes to put our hand around a child mm-hmm. to make they are guiding them to where they need to go. And, you know, and so even, even with sports, we even include gaming. And so I'll tell you what we're doing in gaming uh, as well. I have a, have a little, have a exciting announcement about that as well. So oh, great. Oh, great. So, so which to me is the most important to you? You mentioned all the different fingers on the steady hand you got the mentoring, uh-huh. the exposing, the sports, mm-hmm. the caring, the collaborating. Mm-hmm. What to you is the most important? Are they all equal? They're all kind of equal. They all are kind of interchangeable. But but let me let, let me start with mentoring, and let me say it this way: We were um, getting active and involved on campuses um, in 2018. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, Coming off of the Breakfast with Dads event that we did that put us on a national stage, right? Right. Uh, And, you know, again, I just, and I have to say this, I personally have been doing this work since 2000. I just did not form an organization until 2018. Right. So, so we were accustomed to the work and was it hard? Yes. Was it tough? Yes. Were Were we dealing with issues? Yes. But man, this pandemic has done something to the day to day life of, Young people everywhere in inner city, suburban, yeah, school, does not matter. And so, you know what it did? It uh, disrupted what they thought was normal, and then they didn't know what the new normal would be. They didn't know what their future was going to be like because, in nobody's lifetime, especially their young age, they're like, "Wow, a pandemic!" And it was just, it was just new to everybody. But more important for them, they're like, "Well, everybody else is older than us, and you know, you've already had a life. What is my life going to be like?" Correct, and and, and it kind of it, it kind of destroyed hope for a lot of them. And yeah. so what? So when you ask me what's most important, I'll tell you. Kind of, let me ask the question this way: This is what we have 
we've gotten back to our roots, in which is one-on-one um, -on -one mentoring inside the schools, um, be it in a, a group setting or one-on-one -on -one during the lunchtime hour. And we are actively recruiting for mentors who are willing to come into schools. Um, you can wear a mask, you not wear a mask, that's completely up to you. Um, and we have selected several schools um, um, here in Dallas that we're going full throttle uh, starting this semester. You can and name so, the names. Okay, great. Well, um, South Oak Cliff, so high schools right now, South Oak Cliff High School and Carter High School mm -hmm. are, are the two um, that are two high schools that we're focused on. Um, Dade Middle School, um, and man, that's about five elementary schools um, that we're already that we've already begun work on these campuses. Mm -hmm. uh, we continue to do work on this campus through the pandemic, but coming out of the pandemic and where we're able to come on campus, these are the schools that we have selected that we want to start working on. As a matter of fact, to show you how it's all interconnected, Chris, we um, are mentoring and exposing, which is my next finger, right? Mm -hmm. We're taking, and you're going to love this. You're going to love this. Right now, we're planning on taking 20 juniors and sophomores from SOC and 20 juniors and sophomores from Carter, and we're going to some school in Norman, Oklahoma on a college tour. Look out. Close to my heart. That's where I graduated, as you already know. <laughs> Boomer soon in Oklahoma. You know, for a longhorn, you know that hurts my feelings. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm glad you're looking past all of those things. <laughs> well, you know, the truth of the matter is, I, I know we have this robbery and, and all that, but the truth of the matter is I need our young people in South Dallas, Oak Cliff, to see something different, right? Yes. To go someplace that they've never been. Unless you walk it, you can't, you you don't know it. You don't mm -hmm. know, you, you, know, you don't know if it can happen. I, I read a stat once, and I need to see if this is updated, but it said a kid is 67% more likely to attend school if he or she just walks on a college campus. I can believe that. I can believe yeah. that. And, and so, uh, so you feel I'm like really it's attainable, you know, in, in other words, you don't just dream about it or see it on TV or you get your, your emails or your letters about it. You wind up thinking, wow, I could actually, I could actually go to school here. Correct. And so Chris, we, so college tours are something I was doing monthly at one point. Yeah. We have not, done one in three years this is our first one in three years because wow. of the pandemic. And, and the schools don't even really know how to receive big number of students anymore and so i had to shrink my number down to 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 40 you know mm -hmm. for that very reason because they because they really don't know how to have how to properly receive uh students and so um and so we are trying our best to make sure that we can um you know have our kids ready for uh, what's next for them if college is what's next for them, right? But right. You can't, I don't want them to cancel a plan for their life until they have the full information to properly investigate it. And so mentoring and exposing for me go hand in hand. Um, we have to do those things, you know, along with the, the, the meeting of emergency needs. We shifted during the pandemic from mentoring to really being an emergency needs meter. If, okay. If you let me yeah, break that, that down so, for us. Break that down. So, so man, so the donations and stuff that were coming in, man, we had to send it to Walmart Plus and us and got on a first name basis because during the pandemic, some of our young people who are in college um, could not get food. I know that sounds crazy, but when these schools were shutting down and trying to decide what they're going to do, if you're a kid that's barely making it and your parents don't have a lot of resources, then you were dependent upon the food cafeteria to feed you. Well, mm -hmm. the cafeteria closed down because of COVID, you were not eating. Yeah, I understand. There's like they call it supply chain. Correct. And so we were having to find creative ways to get food and to help get some of my young people home to help transport them home. Right. Um, and so yeah, and so from that, and then of course the the the, the mayor tasked us with leading his milk drive um, that, that he did during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And so we we were the lead organization to kind of help organize that. And so we were able to pass out milk and cereal and vegetables and, you know, at like 17 different sites, you know, here, here around Dallas. And so, you know, that's just kind of who we are. You know, we see a need, we, we, we feel a need, but our baseline of who we are is, is mentoring and exposing. And now we're getting into sports and into gaming. And I'm really excited, you know, just to bring all that together. But everything we do, Chris, 
comes with mentoring. Everything we do comes with that interaction of a young person having a concerned adult who they can bounce ideas off of. So I love that because it's all about, as you mentioned, setting the example, being there for them, and giving them someplace or, or someone that they can turn to when they have thoughts that are crossing their minds. Like sometimes they're nefarious thoughts. There's, there's friends, got some ideas, and it's like, wait a minute, is this the smart thing to do? You need an adult. You need somebody you can trust. You want to bounce off, like I said, positive ideas and also those nefarious ideas. Absolutely, man. We all need somebody. We all need somebody. Now, you were teasing about this gaming, so go ahead. Here's your opportunity. Let's talk about the sports and the gaming. Man, so so um, as you know, Chris, I've been I've been developing a gaming um, idea uh, for a while now. And yeah, you, I think you were telling me you were trying to create a hub or something that where all the yeah. kids can get together. Well, that and then also we have a I call it the front office club. Matter of fact. You can go to go to the website. There's a link to it on the Steady Hands website. So you can go to bsteadyhand.org mm-hmm. and then navigate the way to the front office club. Or you can just go to the frontoffice.club. Okay. And so, and it talks about it in loose terms, but we are going, and you're the first person I've said this to outside of outside of my team, but we are going to have a front office club summer camp this summer where we are not only are we teaching kids competitive gaming, but we're going to get into the sports management piece and have them become many owners and many GMs and many uh, player personnel directors and all this, all using gaming. It's going to be amazing. Wow. And the, the, the kids are going to love it. The goal of it is to expose them to careers and opportunities away from the field. And also for those who have the talents and abilities, no, there are colleges right now who are putting together competitive gaming teams. Yes, so they, they are. Them. Yes, they are. I'm familiar with it. I'm familiar. SMU's got a great program. So does TCU. And I think UTA as well. Absolutely. And so we're trying to get our kids in line for that. But I'm also for the kids who who just game for fun, but who can who can soak in this information. They never saw themselves as an agent. They never saw themselves as a general manager. They never saw themselves as a team owner where we're going to use these various sports games and teach them the game using the information that's all that's right there in front of them. So I'm very excited about that. I just, anybody who's listening, if you want to learn more about that, just go to the front office.club. Um, you can sign up there, go to a steady hand, find us on any of our social media platforms, send me a message as, Hey, Hey, Hey Donald, when you guys start this, I want my kid to be involved. Or maybe you as an adult, uh, you're professional in the area. You want to be involved, man. Just send us a message. And I promise we will, we will stay in contact with you, but I'm really excited at the potential of what that is. We've kind of done some beta testing in one of our middle schools here in, in Dallas uh, during the um, uh, fall semester, and the kids loved it. And so we're now um, we're, we're now gearing up for what I hope will be a month-long kind of half-a-day uh, summer camp kind of experience targeting middle school and high school students. They can, Boys or girls, they can be gamers. They cannot be gamers. does not matter. Mm-hmm. We, would te- we, would, we would get them, and we would teach them what to do. For the ones who want who want to focus on gaming, we have that. But for the other ones who want to even, Chris, have a career like yours, there's even a methodology sure. uh, in, in, in this system where we're going to need people to broadcast these games. Mm-hmm. We're going to need people to to interview the various players. And all. So anything in the touch, that touches the world of sports, um, gaming-wise, uh, we'll, we, you know, we, we'll be able to do. Along with that, we're getting into uh, team sports. I really believe that team sports, every kid needs to play at least one team sport at some point in their life. So they can learn about the discipline, how to share, how to compete, how to uh, focus some aggression in in a positive way. I understand those things. Yes. And somebody else is dependent upon me doing my job. And Mm -hmm. even if I'm having a bad day, I I can't let that affect my work because I'm one piece of this whole car, right? Mm -hmm. And I got to do my part so everybody else can do theirs. And so to that end, um, we are working on a, um, on on a, on a basketball uh, league. That's going to be very unique uh, because again, we layer everything with mentoring. And so each team is going to start off with a team mentor, but, but my job and my team's job will be to find every kid who signs up with this league. Um, to find them a mentor mm-hmm. who will be with them. And so um, so I have more information about that. We're still in the very preliminary stages of meeting with that, but I got some really exciting people who are going to be working with me with that. And so 
I definitely will keep you abreast of that, uh, Chris, as we as we look towards that. What you're doing is very, very exciting. And, and for those who don't know, the gaming industry is a $4 billion industry right now. And for those who are talking about, well, it's not traditional sports. I was telling my father-in-law a couple of years ago, I was telling him, I said, because my son, he's a really good gamer. But he's, a, he's a track guy as well, but he's re- he's a good gamer. I said, don't you know he can get a scholarship just like he can get a, a, a football scholarship? Come on now. A scholarship is a scholarship. And hand-eye coordination with these games is something special as well. And this is another thing that a lot of people may or may not know. Anybody under the age of 40 knows this, but anybody over the age of 40 may not. Most, not some, most professional athletes, no matter what the sport is, baseball, football, basketball, hockey, track, golf, they all are gamers most yes. of them are gamers. That's what they do in their spare time. They're not out hitting the clubs and the bars like they used to back in the day. They're, they're, yep. they're gaming with their friends all over the world. Correct. And and I'll I, I tell you one game in particular, Major League Baseball, the show, there are baseball players who use their scouting system within that game to scout their next opponent. Look out. See there? They're just hitting, See learning there? pitches, tendencies, and all that kind of stuff. So why not tap into those things? And, that that's, and, that gets you prepared. Yeah, that gets you prepared in life because you because not everybody is like a top notch athlete. In fact, you mentioned baseball in particular. I'm not going to get too deep into this, but there are a lot of people who are running baseball clubs based on their knowledge of analytics. Well, a lot of their knowledge of analytics are based on games and gaming and knowing those kind of things. So if you're going to level the play of playing field and say, okay, I can't be a manager, I can't be a general manager, I can't get into the front office. Uh, because, you know, whatever, I was just a player. You don't have to be just a player to be able to have those sports jobs or be a part of the sports community. Correct. And and my thing is, this helps us be pandemic-proof. One thing I said to myself was, what if this happens again? What do we do? Right? Mm-hmm. We survived it, great. But what do we do? And having... Um, and utilizing these gaming devices that the majority of our kids have. And if they don't have, we can get it into their hands. Even yes. if we find ourselves in another shutdown, this gives gives us access to them. Yes. It's something that they want to do. You're not having to beg. And right. Plead. And you know what it helps so, also, Don? It helps them not be isolated because that's what was uh, adding a lot of pressure on kids and changing them during the pandemic they were feeling isolated. They were feeling alone. Uh, their day-to-day activities, going to school, being with friends, socializing was not there. And I like what you're thinking, man, because, you know, you never know. There might be a, a mini pandemic or a different type of virus that comes around, and then people become isolated again. Correct. And and that's not something that we can do. So I, as you can as you can tell, Chris, we have a lot uh, doing, you know, a lot going on our plate. We have been contacted um uh, by, I mean, just literally just about every school in the Metroplex. And then we have our tentacles in cities across the country that we had to put it on hold during the pandemic. But again, um, I, I'll say it this way. I will be in um, Los Angeles in February um, having some, meeting some some people and having some conversations about starting a branch of a steady hand uh, there. So we, we, you know, same thing, just, before I talk to you, just finished talking to a brother there in, in, in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Uh, same thing. We've been, we actually been talking to Minnesota now, literally the day after uh, George, Floyd, George Floyd passed. Um, wow. We've been, we've been having meetings with, and strategic meetings with people. And so I, th- that's six or seven other um, cities across the nation that, that uh, have reached out in a very significant way. As always, it's trying to figure out how do you fund it, how do you support it. You can't start something that that can't be supported. Exactly, because um, all you've done then is just hurt the kid. You just another. Yeah, that's a back. promise. Yeah, that's a promise broken. I know what you're saying. In, in the nonprofit world, what you're talking about the the fundraising part that's one of the most difficult things to do. And and that's my job as CEO. So so let me before we close this, let me let me put in this little shameless plug. No, um, please do. And the best way, and what I'm trying to encourage people to do, the one-time donations are great, but I would, I would, and and my my team would probably kill me for saying this, but here's the honest to God truth: as, as a guy who has to watch the bottom line, if you are willing to sign up for a monthly donation, 
via whichever system you feel great doing. Like Facebook does not charge a fee to the end user uh, to donate. Um, so if you want to do it via Meta, if you want to sign up on Amazon Fresh, and I mean not Amazon Fresh, on, on smile.amazon.com, you can go in and select us to benefit. So every time you buy, Amazon gives us a small percentage of 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 of, of the of the of their proceeds, and you can do that via smile.amazon.com. Or if you just want to go to our website, and we have PayPal where you can sign up to be a, a monthly donor. I, I'm encouraging people, even if people are willing to give ten dollars a month, I'm encouraging people to give monthly because that helps me forecast. Sure. So I didn't know going into because um, spring semester is already planned, right? But going into the summer and going into the fall, okay. This is what I have coming in. This is who I can afford to bring on to help make a difference in the lives of young people. And so that's what we're trying to get our people used to doing is to, hey, skip Starbucks one day and 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 help save a kid's life. Very impressive. And, and again, what you're doing is 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 excellent work. And I'm so glad that uh, you're in position to help so many different kids on so many different campuses. Now, when is this trip up to Norman again? Man, we're looking at February 20th. Oh. That, that that's the goal. That that's the goal. We're still are um in the planning are, stages. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're still are communicating with the school and um to just make sure everything is good on their end. Right, because uh, they got protocols now. Like you were talking about, they weren't necessarily ready for like you know eighty kids, but you, you had to narrow it down to like forty. Chris, we had gotten up to a point, man. Where we were taking two hundred kids at one time. We took two hundred fifty uh, middle school students to to tour UT. Wow, uh, twenty eighteen at one time. Wow. You know, and so, yeah, so, you know, we had just Yeah, you, you're to, doing some pairing for this trip then, my goodness. Yeah, and so it's just, it's different. And so, but this is, so we have this one February. We are, we're already shooting for another one um, right after testing season, but early May. Um, we're, we're trying to do another one. And then next semester, hopefully we can get back to a little bit more frequency. And not taking the same kids each time. Sure. We're taking different sets of kids. Right. Because... We want as many of them exposed. And here's the last thing, Chris. Well, last thing about this point. I don't know what else you want me to cover, but I'll say, say it like this. I tell the principals, don't just give me the A students. Give me some of the knuckleheads, too. Yes. You know why? Because that knucklehead will see it, and he or she will catch it, and they'll come back and tell the other knuckleheads. You know what I'm saying? Right. Man, you would leave my experience, and maybe we need to do things differently. But you also have now built a bond between that A student and that struggling student, because now they both had the same experience. So when they see each other in the hallway, the conversation that can happen, hey, man, I need a little help on my algebra, man. Do you mind, do you mind helping me, man? I've been blowing this off. I got this big test coming up. You know, we both were on the college tour. We both want to go to school. Hey, man, can you help me? And I have literally seen that kind of thing happen uh, with our young people on, on these college tours. And so I'm just a firm believer in them. And and not that every kid has to go to college, but I think every kid needs to investigate the opportunity to see if it fits them or not. Instead of telling themselves, no, go and check it out and see if it fits you. And so, yeah, so we're really excited. We're really excited, um, you know, to, to um, you know, you know, head, heading down to that little small school in Norman. Uh <laughs> <laughs> see, you had to go there. <laughs> That's okay, though. Hey, Don, is is there a, a story about a particular kid that you're real proud of? I know there's so many of them that actually had a chance to go on one of the college tours and then wound up going to school themselves. So, Chris, I have been doing this for a very long time. Right. So let me say, let's say it this way. I have, and I'm not exaggerating, I have, I have probably about, I probably have about three or four kids that if they not have not earned a doctorate, they have, they have almost completed that doctoral wow. program who went on college tours with us. Wow. I have, um, I have, gosh, it's gotta be almost a hundred who have a post secondary degree. So not just, uh, not just, not just, I said post-secondary. So not just college, but, but at least a master's level degree. Cause we've been doing this for so long. Yeah. And so, and so, yeah, so I'm, I'm very, I'm very proud of, of that. Um, I, I think that, I think that um, you talk about being proud of, of, of a story. I, I, let me say it this way. And I have to be very careful how I say this because this young lady is so, um, she's so small. Um, two, two, two quick stories. Okay. Um, Take your time. In one of my elementary schools, um, there was a first grader who had communicated to her teachers that she, she was suicidal. 
Okay. Mm-hmm. And so I couldn't say suicide. I even spelled suicide when I was in first grade. Okay. But she had let them know that she was thinking about hurting herself. We were able to pair her with a mentor. Um, and now that's, this is two years ago. Now, now that girl is in the third, going to the fourth grade and it is doing extremely well. And wow. I'm just glad that we were able to step in and, and to deal with that. Well, this past semester uh, at, a, at, a, at a different elementary school, uh, one of the young ladies who we were brought to work with um, was uh, non-talkative. Not that she didn't have the uh, cognitive ability. She just chose not to speak. Um, mom, she was raised in a household with a mom who who has mental health issues, very, very pronounced mental health, health issues. Mm-hmm. They think the daughter is okay because she tests well. She just does not speak. Like She literally does not talk. She to just anybody. chooses not to. She chooses not. She has made a choice not to speak. And, you know, mental health professionals who are hearing this, they probably know exactly what that is. Mm-hmm. And so uh, so she 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 comes to my group. And for the first three or four sessions, she's not saying anything. And she is scared of me. Now, I talk loud and I'm and I got all this long hair. So I, I'm so I, I'm scared of myself at the time. Too. <laughs> so so but. She warmed up one day uh, and got the courage to speak because I was, was talking to them about their weekend and, you know, hey, what's going on with you? We're dealing with, you know, the big buzz phrase, the social emotional learning, you know, but we've always been dealing with what's going on, especially when you work in, in inner city, because these kids are exposed to so much violence and so much crime and, and, and that they have to have a place to unload it. Right. And so we were just talking about the weekend on it. Like, Chris. This girl raised her hand, spoken very clear, complete sentences, so much so that the other kids stopped talking and looked. Wow. They couldn't believe that she was talking. And I didn't know, I didn't make it a big deal. I said, very good, sweetie. You know, and, and she said her, you know, two or three sentences and then and, and she was done. And and but that taught me everything. I, I learned a lesson in that moment. No one is um no one is a finished product. For whatever reason, she chose a vow of silence because that's how that's the only thing that she could control in her life. But she's listening and she's watching every single day. And so if anybody wants to join us in this work with a steady hand, understand the intentionality uh, behind it in which we do. We have a lot of fun. I don't do anything unless it's fun. But we also are very intentional because lives are truly at stake Mm -hmm. and destiny is at stake. Legacy is at stake. And these kids who will outlive us will one day come back and think about and, and say, man, you know, you know, it wasn't for this guy who, who or, or this lady who, who took time off for lunch, or, you know, and, and, and met with me twice a month when I was in middle school, man, it, it changed my life and it helped me put me on this direction. Those are the kind of people who we're looking for to become mentors with a steady hand. Um, and those are the kind of people who are looking, looking for across the nation who don't mind just taking your lunch break twice a month. That's it. That's all I ask, Chris. Give me a lunch break twice a month. Yeah. Come on campus and invest in the life of young people. If you want to do more, we'll help you do more. But that's the baseline of what I ask. And and I don't know anybody who has a professional job, you know, or that's a retiree. They 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 can't afford to, you know, to take the time to do that. So we're just I'm just really excited, man. We're just bubbling with excitement. And I'm so grateful for this opportunity to talk about, you know, my, my life's work. I really am. Let me tell you something. What you're doing is phenomenal. And I've always said this. I put you right up there with first responders and educators because you you get something out of this. You it's it's very Im, Im, impactful for you when you're able to change kids' lives or change people's lives or help their lives or save a life. And I think what you're doing is so important. They always used to say it takes a village. Well, you're showing what the village can look like. This is how you get it done. Everybody can talk about it, but some people actually act upon it. And I think what you're doing with a steady hand is changing a whole lot of lives and making a big difference here in Dallas. Uh, we're talking to Reverend Donald Parrish. Don Parrish has been doing this for a while now. A steady hand to help save lives. Committed to restoring hope in the lives of young people. You can find out more information at beasteadyhand.org. It's a wonderful website. You can just, I mean, you can peruse it, see the stories, see the national headlines that they've made across the country. And the fact that you're doing here local here in Dallas is just absolutely amazing. Don, thanks again for, for joining us. And joining us right now is a Dallas legend. I'm going to say it. You are a <laughs> Dallas legend, Miss Diane Gibson. 
Miss Community herself, Diane Gibson. How you doing? I am blessed. Blessed. <laughs> I just can't say it. Thankful, blessed, happy. I'm just good. Well, you know, the people who listen to you on the radio for all these years, the first thing you're supposed to say when I say, here's Diane Gibson, what do you say? Hi, family. There you go. <laughs> That's your staple. For those who don't know and are not familiar, you've been missing out. She is a legend. She is a community organizer. She's been doing things in Dallas for years and years and years and years. And she would pop on the radio with me and Skip Murphy and company. Skip, Nanette, Sam, Wig, and, and, and Nanette. We call her Batsy. No, you call her yeah, Wig Batsy. Yes, Batsy. You would give us the latest information that's going on in Dallas and let people know what they needed to know. And so I was talking to you just the other day and you were telling me you're about to retire? Yes, I am retiring from the city attorney's office for the city of Dallas after 18 years, six months and two weeks. (laughs) That is amazing. First of all, let's talk about how you decided to retire. I can't even understand how you retire because this is what you do. It's almost like a coach. It's almost like a coach retiring. This is what the coach does. Well, here's the good news is that I'm retiring from the city, but I'm actually going back to the county. And Chris, if I can elaborate, this is so amazing. It just shows how God is working through all of this is because I'm going back to the very court that I started at in 1989 with the Dallas County. And so that's just it just went full circle. So um, I've been here 18 years when I started here. And again, this is this whole story is just so amazing. Well, let's hear this story because people want to know these things. Because again, people have been keeping up with you for years and years and years. And this is like, I mean, they this is the rest of the story. Let's get some transparency here. Here's some complete transparency. First and foremost, you guys, here's what's so amazing. Let me tell them first how I got the name Miss Community. So here's how I got the name Miss Community. It was Juneteenth. It was Juneteenth. And I kept just trying to get into the radio station. I kept trying to get into the radio station because at the Martin Luther King Center, which y'all know is my favorite charitable event. And so we was at the King Center. We had all these activities, all this free food, but we didn't have anybody here. And we're trying to celebrate Juneteenth. So I called Jocelyn. And so Jocelyn worked at Service Broadcast. Right, Jocelyn Johnson. Yes, Jocelyn said, Diane, I'm going to give you the number for you to call Skip Murphy and let him know it. Skip was still new to the city of Dallas. Mm-hmm. She said, but here's the thing. You got to get past Nanette Lee. Because she sits <laughs> there right there at that phone. She said, you got to get past her. I said, okay. I said, I'm going to get past her. If I tell y'all, it was probably 21 times. And she just kept, every time I called, she'd just hang up. I called back. She'd just hang up. I called back. She'd just hang up. And so finally, I called and we answered the telephone. So Wig said, who is this? I keep calling. I said, this is Diane Gibson. I'm on the board at the Martin Luther King Center, and it's a Juneteenth celebration. And I just want the people to know that we got all this free food, all free games and activities, but we don't have any kids. So uh, Wig said, hold on, she's going to the bathroom. So let me tell Skip. (laughs) (laughs) He said, let me tell Skip Murphy. And so when Skip got on the phone, I went through the whole gamut again. I just told him everything. And so Skip said, okay, give me a minute. Give me a minute. We're going to let you go on live. I said, are you serious? He was like, yeah, you're going to go online. So true enough, we announced it. And oh, my goodness, within an hour, I didn't have to tell them there was free nothing no more. We had an abundance of kids from the neighborhood that came rushing over to Martin Luther King Center to participate in the Juneteenth activity. This is why so many people admire and respect you, because you have a way with words and you know how to deliver the information. But more importantly, I mean, it's one thing to deliver the information. You are there at everything. It's one thing to say, okay, there's this going on over here. There's this going on over there. But you are attending a lot of these things. That's what's been, that's what everybody absolutely found amazing. You were so accessible. You know, that's why everybody called you Miss Community because you were just there. And that's why people would believe in whatever you would say. It's like, okay, we need some help doing this. Or guess what functions going on over there? Can you show up? People would show up because of you. And I know you don't like to talk about yourself, but it's just the way you would present it and the fact that you backed it up by being there. 
And I just want to yeah. know about like some of the different things you you mentioned a few of, but you you keep deflecting. You keep talking about all the other people you work with. You were the one that brought a lot of people together. And and Chris, the reason why I do that is because I always tell people I'm all that I am because of who you all are. And everybody want to know what well, Diane. Why did you take the capital letters out of your name? And I said, my cousin actually helped me and Kokisha Bailey. The reason why I took the uh, caps out of my name, because every once in a while you start listening to the cheerleaders. You start listening to the cheers. Oh, Diane, you're Mm -hmm. this and Diane, you're that. And all of a sudden that human nature decides to take over. And you have to remind yourself, it ain't me. It ain't me. It's God in me. And so I put the lowercase letters. I don't put capital letters in my name because my name is something I write often. And it always reminds me. I must decrease so that he might increase. And so everything I do is to the glory of God. And then I just thank God. I'm amazed sometimes myself at the people God has put in my life to be able to help other people. Mm-hmm. And I always tell people that it, it, with, with all seriousness, if you're like today, what you're doing, if you're in a position to help people and you don't do it, or you just have a selective few that you help, that's not giving God the glory. If you want to give God the glory, regardless of whether it's the homeless people on the street or whether it's the ones in the mansion or the president at the White House. If God has put you in a position to help other people, then that's what you need to do. And I have to elaborate a little on bad seed. I would call bad seed bad seed because of the way she treated me. And so that's why she was Hmm. bad seed. But when I tell you every cause I did in this community, bad seed was right there. Girl, if you don't quit spending my money, how much you need now, Diane? How much? Here she go. Nay, nay, I need. <laughs> <laughs> but guess what? She was always there. And here's the one time that I just had the utmost respect for. We was out at an event and we was doing some kind of event. We was out and all of us was out there. And this one lady walked up and she was full figured. And you know, that's when Bad Seed was really full figured. Mm-hmm. And this lady said, you know what, you guys, all I want is a coat. She said, all I want is a coat. She said, because I'm out here and it's cold and I don't have a coat. Nanette didn't even say nothing. She didn't look at me. She didn't do anything. She took that nice leather coat off, nice leather coat, and gave that woman. She said, can I have it? Nanette said, yeah. I said, oh, wow. look at bad seed. But yes, bad seed did that. She was always one that I could depend on that I said, okay, here's what I need. Wig was the same way. Skip was the same way. Chris was the same way. Sam Putney. It was a lot of times. I always tell people, y'all don't have no money. I spend more of everybody else's money than I do of my own. But that's a blessing. It is. People entrust you enough to be able to do it. I have people that just say, Diane, take the card. Just take it. I'm like, y'all are so (laughs) special. But that's why I say I'm all that I am because of the people God has allowed to be in my life. Willis Johnson is still a number one supporter uh, financially with helping with all these grandparents that I'm always having to help and everything. Mm-hmm. Can you but, talk about uh, that just for a second? Can you talk about the grandparents okay. that you've been helping? Because sometimes, like I said, people don't know the little things you've been doing. Well, see, it was so amazing again because I got this idea from Willis Johnson and Jocelyn Johnson again because we used to do, you remember, the uh, Black Adoption Program. Right. But we would be on there saying, The Adoptable Children. The Adoptable Children, yep. And we would always say, we need a bicycle. We need this. And the listening audience would again come through and they would give us everything we asked for. Those kids that was in adoption would always have a big Christmas. And, you know, Nate Newton would come down and be our Santa Claus. And one time we had Beyonce and Destiny's Child perform for those kids. That's right. Before they became big time. Yes, and we was down at the Hyatt. Yep. Well, after they stopped doing it, I said, you know what? We still need to do something. Right. And so I was raised basically by my dad and my and his mother, which is my grandmother, and Christmas was always a big time in our house. And so Murtis Evan in Senator West's office was telling me about the fact that, you know, these grandparents that are raising grandkids don't get any financial help because naturally the parents don't want to relinquish their rights. So they keep all the benefits that go with the kids but they're not raising them. So you got these grandparents that are raising kids and they're raising them on their fixed income. This year, I had a grandparent that has been with me since start. She's on her fifth generation of grandkids, fifth generation. 
And so Channel 8 actually featured her uh, this last uh, December on their show. But I started that after we started that. And again, Skip Murphy and Company, they was like, okay, Diane, what we need to do? I said, here's what we need to do. We got to get these grandparents. And so it went from doing 10 grandparents, went from doing 20. We are now at 55 grandparents. Wow. And they're like, Diane, can you take some more? I'm like, y'all, do y'all know 55 grandparents? It's not just them. We take on the kids, too. Mm-hmm. And so this thing has just basically taken on a face of its own because the families that adopt these kids and these families, they don't just adopt the kids. They actually adopt the grandparents, too. Mm-hmm. And so, Chris, this year, for the first time, normally it's, you know, women that are raising grandkids. But for the first time this year, do you know we had two granddaddies? We had two oh, that's great. grandfathers. Yes, that are raising grandkids. And I have to always keep telling this story. You know, most of the kids south of the Trinity don't have access to tablets or to computers. Right. And we're still trying to get access to Internet. So mm-hmm. they're supposed to be working on that. But we had a young lady that saw one of the stories on Channel 8. And so she called and from Highland Park. She had to be as sweet as she wanted to be. And she was like, you know what? Guess what? She said, I tell you what, I want to do something. And so she did. And with her donation, I was able to get tablets and computers for mostly all the kids that did not already have one for the uh, over the age of 14 and give them computers or tablets. And so it's just taking on a whole new phase. We don't just give them little small gifts. Senator West usually provides us with the toys. So we're always good because he has a toy drive that he gives us the toys for the Mm -hmm. kids. Then Eva, Eva with American Airlines for her birthday party, she always tell people to bring in bicycles for the kids. So our kids get a lot. So what we try to do is we try to give, make sure they get the toys because kids are still kids. And we can say, well, that's not what they need. They need a coat and a hat. Now, look, how many kids, you know, at Christmas talking about I need a coat and a hat? Most of them want the toys. They want the toys. So we, yeah. So we get them the toys. Thanks to even her group, we get them the bicycles. And they get all kind of little nice gifts, remote control cars, the basketball, the footballs, mm-hmm. and board games and all of that. So they get that. And then what we try to do with what we do is we try to tell the families, well, you buy them clothes. And then this year we was able to buy them the laptops or the tablets. So we get them clothes. So basically our kids, everybody wants to participate in our grandparents program because they know we're going to give them nice, nice gifts. And then Santa has a whole basket stuff of toys that he actually give when they come up and sit on his lap and want to talk to Santa. And so we just make it a big event and it just keep growing bigger and larger. And thanks to Concord this year for the last two years, we've done it at the Concord Baptist Church because it's a large facility. We all have everybody in one room. The families all get to sit at the table together. And if the sponsors want to, they actually get an opportunity to not only sit at the table with their uh, family, but they go up and give them the gifts, take pictures with the family, oh, with nice. Santa and Mrs. Claus. And we have two nice elves. And so <laughs> we have a big, big time. This year, we even had a DJ in the house. So we did it big time. We parted. We had a ball for them. That and so wonderful. it was just really, really nice. And our grandparents really loved their gifts. It's Chris. We can't tell nobody. But the one thing I love, Jenny with Jenny's Beauty Supply, mm-hmm. Jenny give them all the Remy hair. Uh-oh. <laughs> and I know they know somebody that can take care of it for them. That's right. She gives <laughs> every grandparent the Remy. That's the real thing for those oh, of y'all that goodness. don't know that. Oh, they know. They, a lot of people own. know about the hair products. Yes. <laughs> yes. And not only that, but Jimmy actually, Jenny actually comes and performs because she plays the saxophone. Okay. Yep, she come back. It sounds like it was great, a great holiday time oh for everybody. And, and that's fantastic work that you do. But again, that's just more of what you do. And that's why it's hard to believe that I guess you retiring from the city of Dallas, but you say you're going to Dallas County. When is the retirement okay. ceremony? And tell everybody what you have been doing exactly for the city of Dallas for 18 years. Okay, for 18 years. But I have to say hi to they go say I'm gonna say this name wrong. Zach Prescott dad, Mr. Nathaniel Prescott. Yes, that's dad. Yeah. Yeah. He actually came to the event too. And he was so helpful. He gave Mm -hmm. a gift card to our oldest grandmother 
and to our youngest grandmother. Oh, that's so they fantastic. were just elated that he showed up. That is fantastic. So th- I just want to say thank you to them. But for the last 18 years, but I have to tell y'all the story. It was so funny. So I was in between jobs when I got this job. I was mm-hmm. in between jobs and I was working at K104, just working and helping them. That crazy Greg Street even said on the air one day, he said, I just want y'all to know that Diane Gibson up here helping everybody else get jobs, but she'll have one herself. (laughs) (laughs) Put your business out there. (laughs) Leave it to Greg Street to put me out on Front Street, okay? Mm -hmm. And so we we all had a good time. So then, that's why my daddy used to always tell us, don't ever burn bridges. Always leave a place where you can go back with your head up and not your head down. Right. And so I used to date this guy, right? Mm -hmm. So we stopped dating. But I always tell people, every guy I've dated, I always have their family. Their family still hold on to me. And so I still stayed in contact with his mom and his sisters, really good friends and everything. And we still stayed in contact. And then in addition to that, I was helping this one lady, Miss Cynthia, who was a Dallas County clerk. She wanted to do this event to talk about better businesses and everything. So Vernon Thomas called me and said, Diane, I need you to help Cynthia. I said, okay, we'll help her. We'll help her. You don't help people because it comes with a fee. You just help them because you right. can help them. Mm-hmm. So I got K104 and KRMB and KKDA to be the radio sponsors. We did this big event at Newburgh. Fast forward. Then Sandra, who was the guy that I used to date, sister, she called me one day out of the clear blue. We hadn't talked probably about three or four years. She said, Diane, I got this job for you. She said, I heard Greg Street say you didn't have no job. I said, girl, was you listening? She said, yeah. She said, I said, I got the job for Diane. They had, the city attorney's office had actually offered Sandra the job. And Sandra told them no, because she was working for the county clerk, Mm -hmm. Cynthia, and Cynthia had referred her to the job. Mm -hmm. And so Sandra came, did the interview. And when she heard about all that, uh, what it involved, she said she told them who was Madeline Johnson was the city attorney then. And Roxanne Poss was the uh, chief community prosecutor. And she said, she told him, this ain't my job. She said, this is Diane Gibson's job. Well, And so for three days, Sandra said, girl, I've been trying to get in touch with you for three days. I was in Houston helping the late Joyce Ann Brown with this campaign we was doing called Unlock the Vote. Mm-hmm. In- encouraging and educating formerly incarcerated people that now that you're off paper, you can vote. And so we was busy in on. Uh, in uh, Houston, trying to promote that campaign. So when I got back and she told me, I need you to call this lady, send her your resume, because I told them this is your job. And true enough, got back, Libby Lee helped me out. We updated my resume, sent it to Roxanne Pause. Three weeks later, Roxanne called me in for an interview to be the community court manager for a new community court they were going to open in the South Dallas area at the Martin Luther King Center. Did the interview, ace interview. She called me to come back to meet the city attorney who was then Madeline Johnson, met the city attorney. And then after that, two weeks later, she called me and offered me the job. You guys, I was in South Dallas and baby, I just walked out of that place and they thought I was just really losing it because I was like, oh my goodness. You were home. You love the Martin Luther King Center. That's your spot. That's it. And that's what I said too. And so June 24th, I started here at the Martin Luther King Center where the first South Dallas Community Court was established. And you guys, that was in 2004. And here it is, 2023. We started with one court. That was at the Martin Luther King Center. That one court now is recognized on a national level by the BJA, and we are now recognized as a mentor court. That means courts all over the good US of A and in other countries come to the Martin Luther King Center to see how we set up the South Dallas wow. Court. We've had people from Africa, Venezuela, Canada. Uh, we helped D- Detroit start their court. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also helped Atlanta start their court. We helped Houston start theirs. We worked with Fort Worth to start theirs. And so it just took off. We went from being one court, seven grants later, after my first year, we actually uh, received the grant from the U.S. Attorney, uh, Attorney General, and that grant was for us to help young people between the ages of 18 and 25 either transition out of gangs or to stay out of gangs. And the U.S. Attorney General, Gonzalez at that time, came to Dallas to actually make, give us the presentation. Only three states was chosen. Three cities in three different states were chosen. 
and Dallas was one of those three. And so we actually had that grant in addition to that. In addition to that grant, we just started receiving all other grants and everything. And it has just been just one, I mean, I guess just one milestone after another. Yeah. And so now we have a we have a court in South Dallas inside the Martin Luther King Center. We have one in West Dallas inside the West Dallas Multipurpose Center. We also have one in South Oak Cliff inside the Dark Police Station. And thanks to Dwayne Carraway, that's who was able to get us into that. It, he said it used to be, I'm not from Dallas, but it used to be an old train station, he said. Mm -hmm. And so we now have a community court inside there. And that's where all of your dark police officers are housed too. So we actually have a, a, um, we have a court there. We have one in Northeast and that's the Northeast Community Court out in that Vickery Meadows area. And then we have a night court. That was our last court we opened because everybody can't come to court during the daytime. That's so right. We actually have a night court that goes from one until 9 p.m. It's at 2014 Main Street. And so we try to meet people where they are. And that's why we're in the community because it's local. You don't have to pay for parking. It's in the community. And, and then it's a one-stop shop because we are what? We are located inside service centers. And so whatever we can't do and community court is a new concept, Chris. Mm -hmm. It's not like your average class C misdemeanor court mm -hmm. where you go in, pay a fine, or you have the fear of going to jail. First of all, a class C is not a jailable offense. You only end up in jail because you didn't show up for court. So they issued a warrant for your arrest or you was put on probation and you didn't follow the conditions of your probation. So they held you in contempt of court, but you don't go to jail per se on a class C misdemeanor. But the good thing about community court, and it's so funny because when I was running for JP in the 90s, that was the whole concept I wanted to do in the Dallas County JP oh, office. Oh, and look what happened. Yep. And, look and so what they happened. put me in community court. And in community court, when you come in and you enter a plea of guilty or no contest, that's when the help began because we have full-time social workers in every court. They will do a full assessment on that individual to find out what are some of the underlying problems? Because I promise you, people are not just sitting out under a tree drinking beer because they don't have nothing to do. If you've ever tried to get into city government by yourself, you know it's not easy. And so what the, what the social workers do is that they serve as advocates for those defenders. First, they're gonna do a full assessment because everything in community court is assessment driven. So we wanna know what are the underlying problems? A lot of times they don't have ID. So one of the things we do, thanks to the Foundation for Community Empowerment, Don Williams, it's a Trammell Crow Foundation, and John Edmondson, they gave us a grant because what we do is, look, first of all, you need some actual ID. People don't wanna show they'll go out and get out of prison ID, mm -hmm. but we get them state issued ID. Now, that gives you a sense of dignity and a sense of pride. Right. Because why? It is state-issued ID. We help them do that, and we pay for all of that. So we help them with that. Then if you need your SSI started, a lot of times some people just give up, and you really do qualify for your SSI. So what do we do? We help you or either direct you to somebody that can help you get your SSI benefits started. We work real close with Dallas County Health and Human Services. Most people don't know they have a whole welfare division over there. And so they don't know that. Then in addition to that, we also help you with finding employment. If you're unemployed or underemployed, we help you with that. Because I always tell people, everybody poor ain't on food stamps. Exactly. You actually have some working poor people. Mm -hmm. There are people that go to work every day and they're poor. And so one of the things that Dallas don't have enough of is affordable housing. Like other states that I've came from, your, your uh, rent is based on your income. Mm -hmm. And that's not something Dallas has a lot of. Right. Chris and I can stay in the same apartment complex. Chris could be paying $600 a month for rent. I could be paying two. It's based on the income and the number of people in that household that lives off that income. And that's something Dallas does not have. So you got a lot of working poor people that are still trying to make it. And they're actually working every day and not, it was so funny. We had one guy, quick little story. We had one guy that came into the court and he was actually working at the, uh, at the uh, as a temp with the uh, city and he was a homeless individual. Mm -hmm. He said he stopped uh, paying rent because his son, first son went to college and he said he was determined to make sure that kid stayed in college. So he went homeless 
so that he could send all his money to his son who was going to college. He said, then the city told him, okay, well, you know that little shanty town, that's what we call the homeless encampment. Mm -hmm. That little shanty town down mm -hmm. there, we're going to need you to go down there and clean that up. He said, y'all know I had to clean up my own homeless tent. Wow. Working at the city, but wow. he was cleaning up his own homeless encampment. Wow. And so those are things that we help people find jobs. Now, the other good thing about it is we don't put additional hardship on you. In lieu of finding court costs, what we do is get you to do community service. So now you're giving back to the community where you committed the crime, and then you're helping our senior citizens or our disabled. There you go. we do house painting. There you go. We also you give them back. pick up trash. And so, and the thing about it, people, Chris, they, they're not throwing you away. You're not throwing you away. You're giving you something nope. to do to help the community that you were actually hurting when you first committed your crime. That's right. And contrary to popular belief, people think, oh, homeless people don't want to do nothing. They don't want to work. No, 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 no. I'm here to tell you in the 18 years I've been doing this, my homeless folks are some home, some workers committed. Yes. They will work. But Chris, here's the thing I love about them. I tell them, y'all, if anything ever go down, all I need to do is get to South Dallas. Let's get to South Dallas. <laughs> they go take care of you. Yes. Because all people want, Chris, is to know that you have a heart that cares and know that you're going to put forth a concerted effort to help them. And then you're going to respect them. You're going to have to respect them. Court staff know that everybody that comes in this court, I don't care what they look like. I don't care what they smell like. You better refer to them as Mr. and Mrs. And Chris, you should see them when we said Mr. or Ms. And then when, it, when they've finished their probation and they have satisfied all the conditions of their probation, Chris, you have to come before the pandemic when they come into the court. I would walk in the courtroom and they'd be all dressed up with what little they have, Chris. Wow. Yeah, they but they're they, so proud. They come dressed up. They were proud. I said, you know what? It must be a graduation. Yep. Everybody dressed up and looking good. <laughs> and, they, and they do. We had one guy that graduated from our drug court. One guy graduated from the drug court. And this guy said, do you know I am 38 years old? He said, I've never worn a cap and gown before in my life. And all of us in the court just kind of went, wow, how many times have we worn a cap and gown? Stuff that we take yeah, for, for granted. granted. Yeah. That what? man stood there and cried 6'3 and said, do you know I have never, ever worn a cap and gown before in my life. I'm like, Lord, see? And we used to fuss, Lord Jesus, see? and we got to put See, cap see, Diane, this is why you do what you do. You are affecting <laughs> lives. And that's why we call you Miss Community. That's why milestones happen over at your court. And we can't wait to get a hold of you again when you're back with Dallas County. Can we do oh, that? Yes, I'm so excited. Can we do that? We can do that, Judge Marilyn Mays would love it. And I know <laughs> Judge Ben Ellis, he's going on to be with the Lord now. But Judge Ellis would be like, is she back? Because we ran a tight ship. And uh, it's County Criminal Court number one. And I told Judge Mays, I said, but Judge Ellis would never let us say one. one. He said, I am the County Criminal Court. There you go. But in order for a DA to go on to the felony courts, you had to make it past Judge Ellis. If you made it past Judge Ellis, you was ready to go now to a new court. And so I'm excited. I get to still do what I love, but I, and in closing, I'll say this. I have to say what John Ware, our former city manager, and he's made his transition to glory. But when John Ware stepped down as the city manager for the city of Dallas, in his closing speech, he said he was going to work for Tom Hicks at American Airline Arena. And he said, I'd rather work for one person any day than 15. He says, so I'm going on over here and work with him. <laughs> so here's what my closing is. Mm -hmm. I have had the privilege of actually managing five judges, 21 staff people, seven courts for the last 18 years and six months. I am going to consider it a blessing and joy that now I get to just manage one judge, one court. I am a court coordinator for just one person that I'm responsible for. And now that I've gotten older, that is a blessing, Chris, within itself. And I'm going to love it. And I'm going to love the possibilities of pulling the, the city and the county together so we can work better to help the citizens of Dallas County.
Yes, 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 yes. That is why you are Miss Community. Diane, it's been a pleasure because you are a treasure. Thanks for joining us, Diane. Okay. And that's why I love doing this show, visiting with people like Diane Gibson, who's been giving back to Dallas and Dallas County for years and years and years and years. She is an asset. And as I said earlier to uh, Reverend Donald Parrish, it's people like Reverend Donald Parrish and Diane Gibson who I put on the same level as first responders and educators, healthcare workers, literally. They are difference makers, and they don't do this for the salary. They don't do it for the money. They do it because it impacts their hearts and it impacts their lives. And I don't know where we would be without them, without the Don Parishes, without the Diane Gibsons. They are in the trenches. They make the difference, and we cannot thank them enough. I'm Chris Arnold of 105.3 The Fan, thanking you for joining me and joining all of us. Tune in next week as we shout out and talk to other people and organizations doing great things in our community right here on Better Living. So long, everybody. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.